a million euro decent proposal for Demi, Triple Dutch and Tabor, and after Taylor Swift brings a new audience to the NFL, which megastar do you want to see hanging around at bike races? I'm Gary, and this is the sa- the Monday supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast. you'd gotten away with it, hadn't you? Hi everybody, my name's Gary Fairley and this is the Saturday Supplement delayed um, for the 10th of February 2024. Um, apologies to those who were waiting on uh, waiting on the show over the weekend. Uh, real life kind of got in the way Friday, Saturday when I would normally prepare and, and record the show, um, in a good way, I, I hasten to add, um, but it kind of meant that I was, I was stuck for getting a show together um, and getting it out on the ether. Um, as well as the the stuff I mentioned in the introduction, we'll also be talking tonight about the UAE Women's Tour, which concluded in Abu Dhabi on Sunday. Um, and I'll also bring you up to the minute news on Chris Sidwell's TI Rally book events um, happening right now, in fact. But first we go back eight, nine days to Tabor in Czechia uh, and the Cyclocross World Championships. Uh, we saw four rainbow jerseys um, one in not dissimilar ways, um, on, and four races that are pretty varying, to, varying to difficult conditions um, across the across the weekend. Um, on Saturday, we saw men's under twenty three world champion crowned Tibor Del Grosso, Netherlands rider. Well, where else um, this season? Um, also, the winner of the under twenty three World Cup, um, going one better um, than he did at Hogeheide last season. Um, and he's also going to be riding with Alpus and the Koenig's development team um, in 2024, which is pretty exciting for for all. Um, he took the race by the scruff of the neck on the second lap, um, finishing 27 seconds ahead of Belgian pair Emil Verstrenker um, and the Jente Michels, um, who were, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't see much Belgian action on the podium this weekend, um, but um, they did the business. Um, and to keep the you know, ownership of, of cyclocross in Belgium, Belgium at least for another year. Um, after that, we saw the women's elite race won by, again, who else? Femme van Empel, making it two world championships on the bounce, topping an all-Dutch podium and really leading um, pretty much from the, the end of the first lap. Um, Lucinda Brandt, um, a minute and 20 back, and Puck Peters. Um, 154 behind and it, you know it didn't become the battle we thought it might which was a shame but we just saw some exemplary riding um, from the, the now double world champion and so to Sunday um, women's under 23 race was won by Great Britain's Zoe Backstead somebody else going one better than last year um, and already paying her uh, new sponsor Red Bull back in spades um, special shout to, to homegirl uh, Christina Zemanova who had a really good race um, chasing to, to second place um, 44 seconds back um, and Leonie Bentvelt rather sorry put my teeth in tonight um, I, of, of the Netherlands um, a further 11 seconds back um, a, you know a, a great race an exemplary performance um, by Zoe and I had quite emotional seeing her, her dad in the pit at Magnus Backstead um, and you, you know we've heard, heard uh, Magnus on comms and she won the junior title as well so um, 
it's something that's wonderful to see. But the battle between Zemanova and Bentfield was a cracker as well. Um, and you know, just really you know, did credit to them and to the sport. Um, and you look forward to seeing them, you know, battling it elite um, in, in the World Cups in, in, in the future. And on Sunday afternoon, men's elite race, it was six in a row, well, not six in a row, six World Championships for who else but Matthew van der Poel leading home a Dutch 1-2 ahead of Jorin Neuenhaus. Um, 37 seconds back, and Michael Van Turner a, a minute and six back, um, keeping Pim Ronhar at bay to prevent another Dutch clean sweep and having a, a Belgian on the podium again. Um, it's a, a difficult weekend, as I said, at, uh, at Tabor. Um, the, we had wind to contend with, we had a bit of rain. Um, it wasn't a mud fest like we'd seen during the World Cup, um, and it was a power circuit. I, mean, I mentioned that in the, the, the previous weekend's supplement. Um, that uh, you know, it was about watts, and that's ultimately what it came down to. The, the, the kind of course it was a longer course. We had four laps of the the women's race, for example. Um, so was it a you know we saw some great racing. Was the course itself a spectacle? Did it lend itself? Um, I'm not so sure. Um, but you know, four worthy champions that we've spoken about. And apologies that I haven't covered the the junior races. Um, but it was you know a fitting end to the certainly to the UCI events um, for the 2023-2024 season. And so to the desert and to the second Women's World Tour race of the new season and also the second ever running of the UAE Women's Tour. Um, the last season we had a great fight between uh, SD Works Lorena Weebus and her old lead-out uh, rider Charlotte Cole of DSM Firmenich. Um Cole withdrew before the start of this year's race um, due to illness, which was a real shame. Um, so in the sprinters' battle, along with uh, Weebus, we had uh, UAE's Chiara Consoni, Cole's teammate Raquel Barbieri, uh, Lidl Trek's Clara Capone and Livalula's Georgia Baker. Um, to you know, and as we saw over the uh, the three sprint stages, um, to 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 run. Uh, to run uh, Weebus close, um, but not always that close. Um, it was, as we expected, the first two stages um, dominated by Weebus um, and her SD Works Pro Time team. Um, but we also saw um, other battles. We saw Lotta Kapeki and Neve Bradbury um, of Canyon Sram battling head to head on the, the, the Yebel Hafit on the Queen stage. Um, Amber Crack taking a a brilliant first ever World Tour win in her first season. I think in her first race for FTJ Suez, um, holding off the peloton into Abu Dhabi, and um, having attacked from a break that had about three minutes on the peloton at one point, um, and attacked about five point seven to go, and you know holding holding off the marauding peloton, um, spearheaded by who else but Lorena Weebus, um. It was a great race to watch. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed the sprint stages. Um, it wasn't all um, sweetness and light. I guess it was another example of a race where we needed at least another stage, didn't we? And we've seen this before that um, we need more racing uh, or more stages rather than necessarily longer stages in, in women's world tour races. Um, it was also a little bit disappointing because it was an identical format to last year's race. Um, we started with the Dubai port stage. We had the desert and the windy stage. Um, on stage two, we had the queen stage of the Jebel Hafet. Um, and then we had the Abu Dhabi Marina stage on on Sunday um, to conclude the race. Um, and we also, 
you know, the roads in the United Arab Emirates are they're brilliant if you're a driver. Big long stretches across the, the Arabian FA, um double you know, dual carriageways, triple carriageways in some cases, um, roundabouts, which you know, are not a big problem, but they are when, you know, sand and dust have been blown onto them. Um and we also saw that you know, course or stages where there was lots of the, the dual carriage reaction. Then with a, a, a 180 U-turn, um, almost as if to, it was like to try and keep the footprint of the races as neat as possible, but yet also get um, the distances required for um, a World Tour race. Um, so consequently, we saw certainly in the, the opening stage, um, we saw crashes, and which the downside to wide roads is that you have a large number of riders coming into a final you know, two or three kilometres um, at great speeds and, and accidents happen. Um, fortunately, nothing too serious. Um, we saw Movistar disrupted the clear steels at the back of the, the peloton on, on stage one, being marshalled back um, for her new team, um, which was good to see, to see that kind of that team ethic um, at Movistar this early for what is essentially a, um, you know, a rewritten script for them, as, as Anna Meekville and Vluton has, has, has retired um, it was a difficult race for Elisa Longo-Borghini of Lidl Trek, who's returning after a really unfortunate series of events, having illness, having an infection, and then suffering from um, sepsis as well, which is fairly dreadful. Um, and Elisa and her teammate Gaia Rialini never really close enough to um, Lotta Capecchi and co. Um, during the race, to, to see the battles that we saw uh, in last year's race. Um that said, um, Riolini was was in the lead group um, on the Queen stage to the uh, Jebel Hafet um, on Sunday um, and did a power of work. Um, Longo Borghini was was out the back relatively early on in the crime, which is a shame to see. But good to see her racing again and obviously wearing that um, Italian national champion's jersey. However, the, the talking point uh, on the, the Jebel stage was um, the world champion Lotta Capecchi. Um, Doing what we've always figured she can do, and you know, lead and win on a mountain stage. Um, the Jebel's ten kilometres on average, is something like six point eight percent, isn't it? Uh, I'm asking you, you I don't know, Gary, you're podcasting, you tell us. Um, and when she, Neve Bradbury um, of Canyon Stram broke away um, on the on the uh, the latter parts, and it looked like she was going to stay away um, until Capecchi um, broke across. Um, from the group and, and caught her um, with um, you know inside a kilometre to go um, fair play to Bradbury who just said okay if, if you're going to come across to me then you're going to work and she swung across the road um, really ballsy and okay you're the world champion you want to win this um, you're going to have to do some stuff um, and she attacked and Capecchi attacked a game with about 300 to go um, and it was it was enough um, to, to I think she finished with about three seconds ahead of uh, of Bradbury over the line, um, taking um, the the GC at, uh, on the stage, and that effectively the, the, the stage three again. This is when it comes back to we need longer, we need more stages. Um, GC was done, same as it was in the twenty twenty three race, um, and the top ten didn't change um, despite um, a, a cracking victory for uh, Amber Crack. Um, on on Sunday's stage, um, so a good you know a a, a good stage is nice to see nice to see sunshine when you know, you're sitting in Scotland. Oh, show me some sunshine, um, but GC finished. Uh, Lotta Kopecky winner Neve Bradbury thirteen seconds back, um, and Liva Lula Jaco's Mavi Garcia 
um, was 44 seconds behind uh, the winner. Uh, points were won by was Lorena Wiebus, um, followed by Lotta Capecchi, um, and it was Chiara Consoni of UAE Team 82 who took third place in that competition. Um, and we again, we saw that we're going to becoming more and more of a Capecchi fanboy um, as time goes on. Um, but you know, we saw her taking uh, bonus po- uh, seconds um, in the sprints at all the flat stages um, because SD watch were just at the front all the time um, and you know, keeping Lorena Weebus looked after. Um, and so again, we've we, the spoils have been shared um, across one team, and we will talk about that one team in a minute. Belgian press last week were reporting that UAE Team ADQ have offered the 2023 Tour de France fam and World Tour winner Demi Vollering 1 million euros to join them in 2025. Now, obviously, nobody can confirm these things or otherwise until August um, under UCI rules, but it is going to be, I think it's going to be a year of a lot of this stuff, particularly when you consider that uh, 13 of 16 SD Works Pro Time Riders are without a contract at the end of 2024. Um, so I think there will be a lot of interest uh, in the riders, um, if not Demi Volling, the aforementioned Lotta Capecchi. Um, actually, um, Lorena Wiebus still has a contract for, for 2025 and beyond. Um, obviously, nobody's saying much, um, but SD Works Pro Time Director Danny Stam um, was asked by the media. Um, and said we'd like to keep her on board but not for a million euros if someone can provide that that's good but we don't want it for the maximum if riders are dissatisfied for any reason then they can leave us um which is a strange message and i don't know if that you know if i'm inferring that all may not be well between um volering and the um certainly team management i i'm probably just making that up and um, but it's odd they would say that if people are not happy then they can leave um but has he unwittingly named SD Works's price here? Um, you know, okay, <laughs> if you want an SD Works rider, um, if you offer them a million quid, we uh, a million euros, we can't match that. Um, so I suspect not everybody's going to be throwing in million euro bids for, um, for everybody on the team. But you know, there's obviously there is a limit, and that's you know, there's a bit of a bargaining chip there, surely for the riders and the management teams as well. Um, you know, one team's prepared to offer a big pile of cash and okay it's one of the assuming given the sponsors that UAE Team ADQ are very well funded indeed um, but you know it's uh, um, people are prepared to pay for the for the best riders it's good to see um, I, you know, absolutely no doubt in that whatsoever whether it's a good thing overall I don't know um, and actually in the context of this um, cycling news um, asked uh, Lorena Libas um, after um, she won the opening stage at the uh, the UAE Women's Tour. Um, what she thought about that, um, and she told uh, Lucas Nofler, um, quite simply, that um, she's worth it. Um, which, you know, absolutely, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But in the wider context of women's cycling at the moment, is one rider getting all, you know, one rider getting all the pie when the minimum wage that is you know, demanded only of World Tour teams is um, 35,000 euros, I think, um, for contracted riders, is 52, 53 or so, um, for self-employed riders. Um, somebody gobbling up all the money when that could perhaps be more usefully spent across several riders, 
um, you know, <laughs> about 20 of them, um, then maybe that's, you know, maybe it's uh, not such a good thing. But a rider has that kind of price on her head, um, and, and if other teams are prepared to bring that level of, of funding or of sponsors are prepared to support that, um, then, you know, bring it on. Um, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Volering race this season. She hasn't turned the wheel yet. Um, but it's going to be a big year on a number of fronts, one of which is going to be, where's Demi going to be riding in 2025? Now, in a weekend where we've just had the Super Bowl and the uh, the NFL season climax, the, the American football, um, Pop Chanteuse Taylor Swift's appearance at games um, of late to support her partner Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs um, has apparently led to a 400% increase. That's right, I said 400% increase in sales of Kelsey's number 87 shirt um, and a new audience for last night's Super Bowl where the Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers 25-22. By all accounts, I don't think it was a a stellar game to watch, um, but I know nothing of these things. Um, Now, pro cycling has had celebrity endorsed riders in the past. Um, rock singer Cheryl Crow uh, uh, was engaged to, to Lance Asterisk himself. Um, they were a thing for two and a half years before they split um, in 2006. And you've seen a picture of Cheryl at uh, the Tour de France. Um, and so on, arm in arm with old Larry himself. I, I think Larry and Shirley um, were the nicknames that uh, the, the ITV crew, if you've ever read uh, Ned Bolting's How I Won the Yellow Jumper, um, he tells an amusing tale. Um, about Larry and Shirley as, as they christened the cycling's then golden couple. Now, also, um, F1 driver Valtteri Bottas and Canyon Sram's Tiffany Cromwell have been a thing for the last four years or so. Um, I don't think either Cheryl or Valtteri have really resulted in an upsurge in jerseys or bike sales, um, but you know, kind of got me thinking, surely there's a, there's a market here for a, a celebrity romance or something for pro cycling. The trouble is, though, that uh, cyclists seem to be a bit insular. Um, I almost said incestuous, which, given the context, it was, it was not what I meant. Um, but these cyclists tend to attract other cyclists, don't they? Laura and Jason Kenny, for example, Lizzie and Phil Bynan, Ruska Zigert and her boyfriend guy, you know, what's his name? Um, Elena Cicchini and uh, and Elia Viviani. Um, but, you know, I've got me thinking, since it's Valentine's Week and romance is in the, in the air, or, or somewhere at least, um, who do you think sh- the uh, the current crop of unattached pro cyclists should be getting getting out and dating? Um, if not for true love, then, you know, to bring a whole new audience to, to cycling. Um, and I don't just mean podcast listeners. Okay, not only podcast listeners. Um, so drop me a line, cyclinglegendspodcast at gmail.com or at the Gary Fairley on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Threads too. And then, yeah, let's have a chat. Who do you think, who do you, would you like to see, which superstar should be coming along and hanging around bike races to improve, to increase the profile and offer wonderful sport? As I said at the top of the show, Chris Sidwell's book tour continues apace, um, and if you're in Gloucestershire on Tuesday evening, that's the 13th of February, you can pop along to the, the latest in his series of TI Rally talks at Cotswold Cycles in Morton and Marsh. 
Um, email them at in, info at cotswoldcycles or give them a call on 01608 650933. Uh, attendance is free, but you know, check their space for you. So that's Cotswold Cycles in uh, Morton Marsh in Gloucestershire. Chris will also be at Chevin Cycles in Otley on the 20th of March. Otley, home of Lizzie Dyken, which was Lizzie Armitstead back then when she grew up in the area. Um, Chris is going to be joined by former TI rally rider Sid Barris, um, which should be a, a, a cracking night if you have a heard um, the uh, Cycling Legends live from last year's Tom Simpson retro ride um, Sid is one of the, the many stars of the uh, of the show um, as uh, Chris um, had various chats with uh, legends of British cycling past and present um, tickets for the Shivan Cycles uh, event will also be free um, but you'll need to book via eventbrite.com but if you actually go and do a search on the site you'll find the tickets or better still I'll put a link in the show notes um, for you to go along and, and book your slot so that's um, we are Chris is in Gloucestershire on Tuesday the 13th of February or tomorrow as I speak so it's a bit tight um, but also in Otley on the 20th of March so you've been listening to a belated Saturday supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast. On our subscriber feed right now is the latest feed zone with me, Chris Sidwells and Dave Stanley. Our hands across the, the Atlantic, putting the cycling world to rights. Uh, and this time around, we think we may have the solution to the woes of not just British cycling, the organisation, but British cycle racing. Um, if you haven't signed up, you haven't listened to it, um, you can head over to cyclinglegendspodcast.com to access this and all of our other premium content, all for a measly £3.50 a month. I will be back again on the public feed on Saturday, I promise, when it will only be a week until Het Newsblad. Um, I'll also be previewing the UAE Tour for Men, which kicks off next week. Um, I'll probably at some point be talking about Remco Evnepol, who won a race yesterday. Um, although I'd, I'd love to hear what a young 2008 version Mark Cavendish might have to say about the quality of that victory. Um, I'll also talk about Mads Pedersen, I'm sure, um, and all the racing that's happening uh, this week on the Iberian Peninsula. Um, in the meantime... Thank you so much for listening. It's good to have your company on a Monday night. Um, but I will speak to you again very soon and on a Saturday on the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast. Bye.